Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. We're called to a life of self-denial, not self-indulgence. When Jesus came to this world, he didn't live for self, he lived for the Father's will. And oftentimes what we think it's about, we think it's about us. We think it's about our world and our wants and our needs and our desires, and we're at the center of it all. No, he is at the center of it all. It has to be him. If it's not him, we're gonna go out of orbit and we're gonna crash and we're gonna have problems. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Where does Jesus rank in your life? Do you value your time, money, or even family more than Him? Today, Pastor Ed challenges listeners to place God in the one and only place He belongs, on the throne of your life. Our role on this earth is to bring glory to God, not ourselves. Anything outside of living for Christ will only result in disappointment. Maybe you have allowed things in this world to replace God on the throne of your life. Don't let another day go by without putting the Lord where He belongs. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Discipleship. Building in faith. Jesus would have difficulty dealing with our non-committal culture. Our culture would have difficulty with Jesus because we like the Jesus that says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We like the Jesus that says, I'm the good shepherd. We like the Jesus that is presented as the one who goes after the straying sheep. And that's all true of Jesus, but there's another side. There's another picture that is also true. It's found in Luke's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his wife, and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, 
any of you who does not give up some things does not give up everything. He cannot be my disciple. We live in a non-committal culture. People don't want to make commitments. Jerry White has said that the fear of commitment is epidemic in the entire Western world. We want to keep our options open. We want as many pieces of the pie as possible. We want to, as in a beer commercial that says, um, get all the gusto you can. We have that philosophy. But God wants us to be committed to him unconditionally. He wants everything. Yes, salvation is free, but it will cost you absolutely everything. Salvation is God's gift to us, but it will cost you everything you have. The Savior demands a very costly commitment because Jesus wants followers, not admirers. He wants followers, not admirers. There's a lot of people who say, he's a great teacher. He's a great miracle worker. He's a great example to follow. Jesus wants followers. And this morning, the Savior demands a very costly commitment because in 14, 26 and 27, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is using a hyperbole to get people's attention. Uh, he's using an exaggeration, just like in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He didn't mean literally do that. He was saying, deal drastically with those things that cause you to sin. And what Jesus was saying here is that our love for him should be so strong that nothing comes in between us and him. That in comparison with our love for him, everything else pales in comparison. Nothing is running a close second to him. So when he says, hate father, mother, brother, sister, uh, what he's saying is not that you should neglect your family. We've all known Christians who do that. They neglect their family supposedly to serve God. And that's not pleasing to the Lord. The Bible tells us that we're to take care of our family. It tells us that we're to watch over them. It tells us that we're to love our wives and love our husbands and love our children. So what Jesus is saying here, he's not contradicting that. He's using a hyperbole to get our attention, saying that he must be before father, before mother, before children. We'll prefer our children sometimes before God. Uh, we'll lift them up so high that they become idols in our lives. We do everything for them to the neglect of following Christ. Uh, that's true maybe in a marriage. A person lifts their spouse up so, and instead of honoring them, they worship them. 
And God comes second. We must be willing to do what God wants in our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying. Loyalty to him is first. Uh, There was a story of a a missionary, and he was visiting, I guess, a pastor. And there, this young person had come into the service, and they were going to be baptized. And she came in with her suitcase of clothing. And when she came in with the suitcase of clothing, the person asked, Pastor, what she's doing? Well, she's getting baptized today, and her family said that if you're baptized as a Christian, you have to leave the family. We won't accept you here anymore. And she was prepared to do that. There must be in our lives a commitment to Christ that's so great that our love for him is greater than our love for our family. Our love for him is greater than our love for ourselves. He said, hate even your own life. Look at the, yes, even his own life. In East Germany, before communism, during communism rather, there was a young man in the congregation who was very zealous for the Lord. He really was devoted to Christ. He was taken captive by some communist. And the pastor noticed that the young man didn't come back one week, two weeks, three weeks. But shortly after, another young man who was a leader in the Communist Party started attending the church. And he started coming on a regular basis. And the pastor wondered what happened to the other young man and who is this young man who is a leader in the Communist Party. So he asked this young man who is a communist, he said, why are you coming here? He says, well, do you remember the young man that used to be here? Oh, yeah, I do. He said, well, we captured him and we tortured him. And he would not betray any of his friends. He refused to give names. In fact, I watched him die. And he died with such a peace, praying for our forgiveness. He said, I can't get that out of my mind. I knew that I needed the Christ that he had. And so now I've come to this church to follow Christ, no matter what it costs me. We live almost in a bubble here in the United States, Christianity historically, and in so many other parts of the world. To be a Christian means you're persecuted. It means that it costs you something. But here, what we want to do is rewrite the contract. We want to write it according to our own desires. Oh, yes, I'll serve Jesus. I'll accept Jesus, but it's on my terms. I'll accept you, Lord, but um, I want to watch pornography. Uh, I'll accept you, Lord, but I don't want to give to the church. Uh, I'll accept you, Lord, but I won't keep these commandments over here. I'll keep these commandments over here. I'll accept you, Lord, but um, I don't want to be as committed as others. God asked us for commitment. He doesn't change it with changing cultures and with the role of history. He doesn't suddenly give bargain base uh, Christianity. Here's a bargain basement Christianity here. It's a sale on Christianity. Come into the kingdom of God. We'll require less of you. No. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. I ask you, Lord, are we doing what we should do? Are we pulling our weight or are we just in for the ride? Are we pulling our weight? We're just in for the ride. Okay, I'll come to church and that's it. I'll I'll sit in the worship service and that's okay. That's enough for me. No, no, God says, I want you to be a fully devoted follower of mine. Not living for yourself, but living for the kingdom. Not living to build your own little world, but building to advance the gospel. The Savior demands a calculated commitment from us. In Luke 14, 28, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? If I'm going to follow Jesus, it means I'm going to have to live a certain way, walk a certain way. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. A lot of churches don't want to talk about that. A lot of Christians don't want to talk about that. So many times we paint a portrait of Christ that condones our will, that condones our desires, that affirms us in everything we want, that makes no demands on us. That's not the picture of Christ we have in the New Testament. He tells us, count the cost. If you really want to follow me, count the cost. He gives two illustrations. He says, one person building a tower, if he knows he can't complete that tower, he doesn't start it. Otherwise, he'll be seen as foolish. How many of us remember people that once were serving God and no longer serving God, and they come up with their litany of excuses? Jesus said, count the cost. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trials. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that you face in life. But no matter what happens, you say, I'm going to follow God. Like Job of old, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Yet will I praise him. The attitude that says, God, I'm going to live for you no matter what. God calls us to make a commitment. He gives another story of a king that is being attacked by another king and this king has 20,000 people coming and he has 20,000 soldiers and he has 10,000 and he begins to say, can I defend the city against this man? And he realizes if he can't, he sends out a delegation to make peace. What Jesus was saying is count the cost. Count what it costs to serve God. Don't try and fit God into your particular theology. Fit your life into what the word says. So many times we wanna take the word and adapt the word to our particular life. Jim Elliot said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I, I think of what Jim Elliot says when he says that, he's no fool. You have to be willing to continue. The Savior demands a continuous commitment. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Carry his cross and follow me. We're called to a life of self-denial, not self-indulgence. When Jesus 
came to this world, he didn't live for self, he lived for the Father's will. And oftentimes what we think it's about, we think it's about us. We think it's about our world and our wants and our needs and our desires and we're at the center of it all. No, he is at the center of it all. It has to be him. If it's not him, we're gonna go out of orbit and we're gonna crash and we're gonna have problems. God says, take up your cross. Bonhoeffer reminds us that Jesus Christ calls his followers to follow him. He's calling them to the place of death. Those disciples understood what he was saying. When someone took up a cross and they began to take that cross and carry it, they knew that they weren't coming back again. They were going to go and be crucified. When we take up our cross... We're making a decision to die. I think of Galatians where Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. And then he says, I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. And then again he says, he says those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with his passion and with his desires. Multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes come to church week after week after week to get some pick-me-up so that they could get through the week, to get some good feelings so that they could feel better about themselves. And I, I think you ought to feel better about yourselves, but it's more than that. It's following Christ, it's taking up a cross, it's being willing to die to yourself, willing to die to the things of this world. How many of us remember people that once served God and no longer serving God? I remember when I first got saved, I could remember friends that had come to Christ. This guy, Van, he was in Vietnam for years and he came back and he was serving the Lord for, the while, for a while and he just drifted away, didn't want to serve God, got offended at something in the church. I can remember this guy, Stu, his family objected to him serving God and so he left and he wasn't serving God anymore. Uh, on and on and on the list go. I can think of a man in the church here when I first came, I ran after him again and again, I wanted to see him serve the Lord but he got so caught up in the world, didn't want to serve God anymore. And again and again, that story is written of people who don't endure to the end. God calls us to radical discipleship. He calls us to be intense about our faith, not merely superficial. You have to be willing to say, God, here I am. I give you everything. I'm going to take up a cross. I'm going to follow you. I realize it means crucifying self. In the Bible... Demas' name is mentioned three times. He's called a follower of Christ. He's a fellow prisoner, uh, Paul writes, and he says, Demas, one of my fellow workers, he's a believer. But something happens in Demas' life. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In 2 Timothy 4.10, it says about Demas, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. You know, you, you can't turn your faith on and off, on and off. Oh, okay, I'll be passionate this week about God. Well, 
Next month, something is going on. Well, you sort of drift away. I'll be passionate again. You can't turn it on and off and on and off. God is saying, I want a consistent, continual commitment. He says, come and follow me. That means to continue to follow him. And we go where he wants us to go and we do what he wants us to do. When Julius Caesar was landing on the shores of Britain with his army, He took the soldiers up to the cliffs of Dover. And he said, look down at the ships. And to their surprise, Julius Caesar had them all put on fire. There was no way those soldiers could return. They had to go forward and fight. It would be good if some of us burn bridges because we keep on going back over to the world, keep on going back on our commitment to Christ, keep on going back to the things that we were delivered out of. Hello? God wants the type of commitment from us. Now, he'll help you, and the body of Christ will help you. And I'm not saying you slip along the way and you fall and you can't get back up again. But what I'm saying is, listen, be serious about your relationship with God. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to make a decision, I'm going to serve God. Don't play with the world. Don't play with fire. Don't play with the things of this life. Be serious about your relationship to God. Don't let the enemy get in your head and put wrong thoughts. Don't let him get in your heart and put wrong attitudes. Don't let him get in the way and put a roadblock in front of you because you shouldn't even be walking near the enemy. Walk so close to Christ, so near to Jesus Christ that that's the focus of your life. That's what you want. That's what you care about. So often, I remember my home church pastor weeping as he preached. He would preach and he would look at the young people and he would just begin the ball. And he would say, don't get involved with the world. Serve God. And I I think it's much harder today than when I was growing up as a kid. It's much more difficult but live a holy and a godly life and don't compromise your walk with God. Parents, make sure your children have standards and you're guiding and you're helping them to live godly, holy lives. Jeb Stewart, a leader in the Civil War, would often sign his correspondence, yours to count on, yours to count on. Can we say to God, Yours to count on. We don't change the message. The message changes us. See, we're not to try and change this book and say, okay, this is... No, no. Let your feelings align with the book. Please understand what I'm saying. So many times people say, well, it, it, it feels good. Well, it may feel good, but sin doesn't always feel bad. Eventually, it'll catch up with you. But you say, well, uh, you know, I I think it's right. Uh, Come on. If the book says it's wrong, Jesus is calling us to be his followers, his disciples. And he wants an army of men and women who will commit themselves wholeheartedly to him, who will say, God, we'll serve you with everything. We'll give our everything to you. Listen to what he said. In Luke 14, 33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up some things. No, it was everything. What he means is hold 
on to everything loosely. It all belongs to him. Everything we have, everything we own, everything we possess, live your life as though it were his. And whatever he says, that's what you do with it. Let's determine to be significant Christians, living significant lives, making an impact. He says, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. If you don't, don't change the message. Let the message change you. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, We want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.